0: Hello and welcome to a special edition podcast. This is going to be a unique one here today. I'm joined by Tyler, and uh, Tyler lives near Denver, about 20 minutes out of Denver, I believe. Uh, he has a couple podcasts, and we'll get to that in a moment. But that's not his primary source of income. Tyler, what's your primary source of income? Just curious.
1: Uh, I <laughs> I am a sports better, professional sports bettor.
0: There we go a real yes. professional sports better I do it on the side and I you know try to make a set of golf clubs every year but uh you earn a living off of this so how did you get into it and tell me the story behind uh, how you became a professional sports better
1: oh goodness well I'll, I'll give you the the more succinct version here but uh I worked in radio for a while about ten years and that's where I really started betting uh you know not heavily but a little bit more right I, I really fell in love with betting and really at the end of the day, I was doing pretty much like everyone else's end of the day. I was losing money. And I kind of thought that that's what sports betting was. I almost thought it was like blackjack, right? I thought that the house wins, no matter what you can play, you can have fun. Some weekends you're going to win, but you're going to lose over the long run. And then in about 2013 or so, uh, I started to hear about people who were doing this professionally. And I looked into it, I started uh, reading books about it and, and, and kind of understanding how these individuals did it. And I mean, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, right? <laughs> that someone out there could actually, actually, you know, be be making money doing this. And so I learned quickly that what I was doing was not uh, very sustainable or very efficient. And I just kind of started learning. And then and eventually in 2016, uh, unfortunately, uh, my dad passed away. And uh, he was always my biggest fan in radio. At that point, I was doing some afternoon radio, you know, some different stuff on the air. And uh, I just kind of decided to, to to take a different path. And, you know, I kind of just, you know, sometimes you think about 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 life, right? Jeremy, when stuff like that happens, you just go, you know, you, you, you just think about stuff. And so I uh, moved down to Denver and uh, went back to school, actually. And, and I went back to school because, as I said before, you know, I, I looked at what it took to be a pro and, and what it took to do seriously. And what the one thing I heard from everyone is you need a, a serious math background, preferably know how to code, right? Have some coding experience. So I went back to school, um, in, in my late twenties and, and, uh, went to a couple different colleges and went to, for, for, uh, for, for some certificates for, for coding. I went to the university of Denver and I went to uh, MIT and I learned uh, how to do a whole bunch of different stuff from the predictive process to uh, just pure analytic uh you know how to how to use analytics and I learned a lot in in, in that uh it, it, over those years in in school so at that point I was able to really come up with a good break the process use what I had you know learned in the past and I started betting pretty uh, seriously consistently and at that point I really haven't looked back now there's you know some spots I didn't fill in I gave you the kind of short version but that's pretty much it You know, I've always loved it, worked in radio, and eventually just kind of did what I I considered necessary and others considered necessary to uh, equip myself with the tools and skills to be able to do this uh, full-time.
0: Okay. I want to buy whatever book you bought in 2013. I don't know if it's a Billy Walters uh, (laughs) grooming kit, but I I want in. Um, Fascinating stuff there. So you had a podcast recently that I listened to a couple weeks back. It compared insurance to sports betting. And that somewhat ties into your philosophy, I believe, of you don't bet teams, you bet numbers. Could you kind of expand on that for me?
1: Sure. Um, the idea behind you know betting teams not or betting numbers not teams is really goes against what most people do. And what that means is it all comes down to every single bet you make, whether it's on the the the, the Denver Broncos or you know Joey Chestnut in the hot dog eating contest. It's really simple. Now getting there is tough, but it's really simple. What should the price be and what is the market charging? Okay, Once you answer that, the betting is simple. So if we've decided, you know, you and I decide that team A is playing team B and it's pretty 50 50, right? Team A has about a 50% chance to win. Team B has 50% chance to win. If the market's charging team A minus 150, team B plus 130, we would take team B plus 130. If the market's charging team A minus 150, team B, or, you know, vice versa, we would always take the plus 130. So it doesn't matter who the team is, what matters is the number. Now people get caught up in, oh, this team sucks. Oh, this team's great. Oh, this is my favorite team. And they get stuck on betting usually favorites or their favorite team, not understanding the nuances of, it's not always about the best team. It's about what the number is and what the market's charging. So don't look at who's playing. Simply look at what the price should be. Try and ignore the jerseys. And that's how you're going to bet a little more efficiently, I'd say. But that's a lot easier said than done, as, uh, <laughs> as a lot of people will probably attest to.
0: I know that's tough for me. So now, as you talk about the coding and everything, I'm just visualizing this guy, you sitting wherever in your house, eight monitors running programs the entire time. Talk (laughs) to me about how you end up identifying the bets to make.
1: So it's uh, a lot of that really grueling coding process. You know, it it took a long time and and now the adjustments are happening in the off season. So what what happens is just kind of give you an an idea of how how the coding works is in the off season or what I did a couple years ago is I built this whole program again using computer code. I use this uh, online platform called Jupyter Notebook to to code, and you know coding you can just coding and math they don't overlap exclusively. They can and they do a lot, but not exclusively. So you 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 use code to pretty much give the computer sets of instructions and. In those instructions, you incorporate lots of math, lots of predictive processes in the computer coding. So what I do is I I give it this entire list of of what to do and what to look for, and then it essentially does. Does everything I would do in the handicapping process in the matter of one or two seconds. So I can hit a little play button and it'll go through everything for the day. It'll pull from all different kinds of websites and it'll give me all the information I need in the matter of about a second or two. It'll give me all the lines I have, you know, my lines, my personal, you know, lines I've created based on my math. Um, It'll give me all my overs, unders. It'll give me, you know, pretty much everything I'm looking for in a matter of seconds. So it just automates a very tedious process. You know, handicapping can take a long time. Sometimes, you know, when you're doing it by hand, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes it can take me a half hour, even like up to 45 minutes, an hour to handicap a game sometimes. So this just makes it so much easier for me to get everything at once and, and just kind of conglomerate, you know, and consolidate, I should say, everything into, into one easy process. Now, there's two different types of coding that I sort of use. There's that, which is called more of a, a brute force uh, idea where you just give it instructions and it it executes what you tell it to. And then there's a different kind of uh, uh, computing, which I'm sure you're familiar with, given everything in the news lately and what's been popular with like chat GPT, and that's artificial intelligence. And I'm actually using a heavy AI uh, system in my handicapping these days. And all that means is it's learning itself. So... You know, every weekend, based on new statistics, my computer will start telling me things instead of me telling it things. You know, for instance, last year in the NFL, we're coming up to weeks 14, 15, 16, or college football, same thing, towards the end of the year. And it says, hey, you know, did you, or it it doesn't talk to you like this, but it'll, you know, give you notes or uh, identify the numbers, you know, certain things like, hey, did you know yards after catch is a lot more impactful in Big Ten games this year? You know, probably want to keep, keep a, an eye on that. So moving forward, I would keep an eye on teams who, you know, average higher yards after catch, maybe uh, weighted a little bit more into the handicapping. So at this point, my computer is doing a lot of the learning and I'm just sort of along for the ride, but that took a long time to get there. So I don't know if that answered your your coding question. It's it's pretty complex with all that stuff, but essentially that that's how I use it. It's an automated, it's more of an automation process and uh, just makes the math really easy and gives me some real good precise numbers that I can work with and uh, be confident uh, in betting into.
0: Okay. A couple of key takeaways for me here is number one, when you say that a game can get ha- handicapped in a couple of minutes or less than a minute, I don't want my wife to listen to this episode because then <laughs> I will need to do way more chores because right <laughs> now she's allowing me like a three hour time block every night to handicap games. And, uh, I don't want her to think I can be much more efficient. So we need to make sure let me,
1: let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. Make sure you listen or just, uh, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with uh, sitting down, grinding through some numbers. There you go. So that, that's one way to do it. Like I've said before, you don't need to code to do this, right? But I just found that the way I do things, it makes it a little easier for me.
0: So. No, nope, fair, fair enough. Um, So a lot of follow-up questions here. And, you know, most of the listeners that I probably have on this podcast are the recreational betters, such as myself. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're not trying to make a living off of this. We're not trying to get rich, but what tools are available for like the general public because uh, I'm not gonna go to coding school anytime soon I can barely operate Twitter at this point uh what 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 software programs or what would you recommend in a tech stack for kind of the recreational better to even get better at their handicapping?
1: Well, you know okay, so there, there, there's two different answers I have the first is if, if if these you know your listeners and frankly a lot of my listeners are, are recreational betters too, if they truly want to actually start making money or, or take their betting to the level where they can consistently want to make money, my advice would unfortunately be that that math and that coding aspect, well, not necessarily the coding, but a lot of that heavy math and using those predictive processes is inevitably going to be uh, something that you're going to need. You know? So whether you partner with someone, you contact someone you went to high school with, or, or you do it yourself, you're, you're going to need to, to have some way to do this, and and I I would pref- you know coding is preferable because and le- before I go on with other ways because there's other ways that you can handicap trust me this is not super bleak right so before I get onto that I just want to stress that that you know that I think that at this point you have to fight fire with fire I think it doesn't make sense that you expect to win money if there's so many other people betting into the market who are using the very sophisticated software. And so in the, in these different, you know, models. And so I've talked about this a lot sports betting is a multiplayer game. You know, it's not us versus the sports books. It's, it's, it's us versus the sports books, as well as everyone who's made a bet, a bet up to that point in the process before us. Right. So, so everyone who's listening to your show, everyone who's listening to my show, everyone who's watching, you know, the, the Fox sports and ESPN gambling shows. They're, we're all competing against one another in the same betting market. So I think if you're not using math, or at least math to a high degree, your expectations should be set to those parameters to where you shouldn't really expect to make money. Do it recreationally, but bet on your, you know, then you can bet on your favorite teams, whatever, and just have some fun with it. So unfortunately, based on how this market is, I think you have to have some math background and some, I would say, coding background if you're going to do this and make some money. Now, however, if you have a nine to five, if you if you simply don't have time to do that you don't want to go through all the, all this uh all the nonsense there's plenty of platforms out there who give their public numbers now everything i just talked about with decoding it 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 does it boils it down to one number right that's what we want to do we want to boil everything down to should the ravens be minus 3 or minus 5 or minus 7 how should we know right so we want to boil it down to one number when it's hockey we want to know should it be minus 130 should it be precisely what number is that so if we're boiling everything down to one number we 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 can use this whole process and and and, and use everything that's online to help us out, oh, oh, to to uh, help us out. So I say like 538.com. Have you heard of 538 Jeremy? I
0: I have not. I'm going to write down everything you say today though. I'm still yeah,
1: learning. so write down yeah yeah I would write down 538.com and it's not the numbers you actually have to type out F-I-V-E. so 538 write it out. It's Nate Silver's website and he actually does a lot of predictive stuff with politics and sports and in and, and, and society it's really interesting just for anyone interested in data but the whole sports section i think is is pretty usable you know now you don't want to get stuck just using those numbers but if you want to say okay what what should the line be tonight for the lakers and the uh, uh grizzlies game well you go to 538 and they have a couple different rating systems that you can use as a jumping off point right? There's a, there's a website called dratings.com, just the letter D, ratings. They do the same thing. They're going to give you their prediction number, whatever they think the percentage is for any team to win. So, you know, there's also paid uh, uh, websites that you can look at, which I don't really recommend paying, but there's a whole bunch of different online services that really try and do that for you. So I think 538 is a great place to start if you bet the NFL the NBA uh, even they've got some I think soccer on there you know so I, I recommend going there getting their numbers and use that as a jumping off point then you can say okay now I can handicap a little bit myself incorporate injuries things like that and take it from 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 there but if you're gonna work yourself you're gonna just maybe look for a, a little bit easier way to do this there's some websites that that you can find with a couple of Google searches and I'd recommend 538 in the uh, D ratings
0: okay. Thank you very much for that. I, that sounds similar to some of the stuff I use in college basketball, but not familiar with those. Yeah, do you
1: use uh, do you use Ken Palm in college basketball?
0: Yep, Ken Palm and the the Sagarin ratings are the, yeah. the two most common that I'll use as my benchmark for a baseline of where the numbers should be coming out. Uh, normally, kind of preparing in advance for the numbers to get posted, especially so you, when it comes to conference tournament play. Do you want to know something
1: really interesting about about Ken Palm? Um, and just to clarify, Ken Pom is uh, Ken Pomeroy's online service that he charges only like, I think, 20, 25 bucks a year to use. And here's what's happened with that. It's really an interesting uh, development. So uh, years ago, when he launched that, it was just another online platform that you could pay and look at. What's happened is it's, it's become so publicly accurate and literally a very, very good service and system. That now the lines in the market are going to match up with Ken Palm closer than anything else. <laughs> so it's really funny. You can look at what Ken Palm projects, projects the line to be in any college basketball game, and it's going to be within that line, that line within a couple points. Almost every time, you know, probably ninety percent of the time. So it's fascinating because in sports betting, we only have an edge when we're using or doing something everyone else isn't. So years ago, Ken Palm used to be this money maker for everyone, and now it's just another tool we use because everyone's using it. The power has kind of evaporated, and the market essentially is Ken Palm these days. So it's just kind of funny how you get a powerful public system out there, and if it's good enough, it'll take it won't take the market long to understand that that's going to be the new number. You know, so it's just kind of interesting. You compare that to me, like a CBS Sportsline. Look, if you pay for CBS Sportsline, whatever, that that's fine. But I find that, from from my experience with people I've talked to, they probably don't do the best job ever. And compared to how they talk on Twitter and what they promise they do, or, or you know, if you always read their articles, oh, we've got our our analytic system that's this and this and this. It's like if that CBS Sportsline model were that good, the market would catch up quickly within the matter of months, and it would start mirroring that system. So you see, you can see what the good online systems are because the market mirrors them very quickly. So a little side note there with Ken Palm that I just found to be very interesting.
0: Nope. And I, I would completely agree on in college basketball, if there's more than a one and a half to two point variance, normally it was related to a very significant injury or some big other things out there in the market uh, that we wouldn't see typically. So out of curiosity, average day, let, let's say today, uh, we're sitting here on April the 28th, your systems and you as a professional sports better, how many average plays will you have in a day?
1: So it's going to vary throughout the year. These, this is still a little bit, this is still my sort of heavy time of the year. Um, I would say April, I, I have about 15 to 30 bets a day, I, I would say on average. Now, most of those are going to be live uh, during at this time of the year. A lot of those are going to be live. And keep in mind, a lot of people think that betting professionally for, for uh, a consistent income means you bet, you watch the games, right? You you bet and then you go crack a beer and watch the games. I'm constantly buying and selling and arbitraging and hedging and middling and, and doing all kinds of investment techniques to make sure I always have the best of it. So these bets aren't always just 30 random singles on different games. Sometimes I'll have five, six different bets on the same game just to make sure I'm squeezing as much as I can out of every bet or out of every situation. So I would say, you know, and it does vary a lot. Maybe on average I'll 50 to 30. Some days I'll have five. Some days I'll have a lot, you know, 40 or 50, especially as we get out of the NHL regular season, right? In the playoffs, my my numbers come down pretty substantially. And then soccer's winding down soon. So, you know, that, that has an impact. Now, if we look at maybe in October, well, maybe like a November or December, poof, there's a lot going on in December, right? We've got NBA. NFL, college basketball, college football, soccer, hockey—pretty much everything that I bet, right outside of baseball. <laughs> so those days, I mean, it's not uncommon for a busy college football Saturday, which obviously just a Saturday that college football is on, where I'll have upwards of you know seventy-five bets. So okay. the volume's up there. But here's the thing: when I identify edge and I identify to have the the best of any bet, you want volume. You know, it's all about the volume at that point. The more I can get, that's why Vegas wants as many roulette spends as possible, right? The fewer the hands they deal in blackjack, the the further away from the mean the data gets and the more the less likely they are to make money. They want to get those hands going, just like I want to get these bets going as long as they're good bets.
0: Law of large numbers, right there. Yes. Yes. Um okay, so follow up to that. Throw the live bets out. Okay. Um let, throw the live betting out one of my big questions has always been at what point in the day for a you know a pre-kickoff pre-first pitch pre-tip whatever sport it may be do you end up placing most of the wagers is is most of this action coming in the final hour before a game starts where numbers and weight to some lines have shifted when do your bets normally get placed if it yeah. wasn't a live bet
1: So, uh, pregame bets, I would say 90% of my bets pretty close to nine out of 10 get placed immediately when the lines open up. So for instance, the NHL regular season, one of my bigger sports, um, lines I'm in Denver, obviously lines will open up about, and it's different every day, but let's just say maybe like a 10 in between like 10 and 11 AM typically, so uh, you know, if they open at 10, 13, I'm sitting at my computer like a you know, like, like a little like like a puppy waiting for his dinner, <laughs> just sitting there kind of refreshing, waiting for the lines. And once they open up, I already have my numbers. So I just make the bets immediately. All the bets where I see value on my way. Unless I think there's gonna be some huge public money or for some reason there's a for, there's a reason for me to wait, then I'll make those bets typically very close to game time. Um, an example is today a uh, a uh, uh, or it was yesterday, a soccer game. It was a Tottenham and United. And I just knew that public money was going to come a certain direction. And so I waited, 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 made my bet right before game time. But usually I make my bets the minute that lines open up. And you really have to, in my opinion, if you're going to get the best of it and get good consistent numbers. So I'm always right there with the, with the early birds. And I actually have a good benefit because a lot of these sports bettors, they don't like betting opening numbers because the, the, the limits are low and That doesn't matter for me because my bets aren't that big to where I'm exceeding these thousand dollar limits when you're opening numbers. So I can get in and have my fill before a lot of other people see it worth their while who also do this professionally, who may shove those numbers in a direction that I don't like before I can get them. So, you know, it's, it's, as I said earlier, it's a, it's a multiplayer game and it's very competitive out there to get the good numbers. So most of the bets I have are right when they're available to the public.
0: And Tyler, I know I promised you a hard stop here. Do you have an extra ten minutes because I have like twenty more questions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. No, okay. of course. Yeah, let's keep going. It's good stuff. So, how how much do you deviate on unit size, and what's your ba- bankroll management type system?
1: Yeah. So, um, a couple years ago, I shifted from units to Kelly Criterion. Are you familiar with uh, the Kelly Criterion yes. system? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I bet now. Um, I, I, I don't really look at you know you don't really use units typically. I mean, I. I guess I have my standard unit system, but uh, I bet with a Kelly criterion system. So, um every bet that is just a typical, you know, percentage of the bankroll. And so that's how I go about my betting. And every bet is very precise. You know, if I have a uh one if I'm have a, a perceived 1.24% edge, I'll make a bet that correlates with that. If I have a perceived 1.76% bet, I'll make a different bet right? or edge, I'll make a different bet, right? So everything's on a sliding scale. The more confident, the higher the bet. And I use Kelly Criterion to do that. However, for your listeners and everyone out there, the flat betting system, the unit betting system is a profitable system. It's been proven. There's nothing wrong with it. If you bet, if your units are 20 bucks and every bet you make is to win a unit, that is perfectly profitable. So for your listeners, there's nothing wrong with that. I just use the Kelly Criterion system. And I do also want to say a big debate out there that I've seen on Twitter and other social media platforms, do you always bet to win a unit, or do you always bet a unit, right? And I feel pretty strongly about this that, especially for the recreational bettors out there, you should always bet to win a unit. And here's why every bet that you have, it's minus 150, minus 200, minus 500, whatever it is, you're always betting that amount to win 100. Let's say your units are 100 bucks, okay? And it's minus 200. You're betting 200 to win 100. If it's minus 110, you're betting 110 to win 100. Well, what happens is as we get into the plus 250s, plus 500s, plus 750s. If you're betting now 100 to win 250, 500, 750, what you're doing is overexposing yourself on bets that you're less likely to win. You see, for a professional, if they make bet, a bet that's plus 500, that's usually because the bet should probably be plus 350, right? And they're getting value. For the for the classic or the the typical public better. if they're making a bet that should be plus 500 or that, that is plus 500, that's probably well-priced, or maybe it should even be plus 550 or 600, right? So they're getting poor value and they're losing 100 every time they make those bets, which is the same number. Now, you're eventually going to hit that plus 750 and make 750, but what's much, much better for the bankroll is, is don't overexpose yourself on that. If you get a plus 200 and, you're, and your units are 100, or excuse me, if you get a plus 200 and your units are $100, just bet 50 to win 100. If you get some plus 400, just bet 25 to win 100. Over the long run, you're going to thank yourself if you're betting to win a unit instead of always betting that unit.
0: Good insight there. Uh, You also have the psychological factor. So we got got different different philosophies potentially in that front. But uh, quick question, how many books do you use? How many sports books do you have access to? And uh, how often does that vary? Uh, I, I have, uh, I use, I don't know, about
1: 20 ish, 20 in between 20, 25 sports books, I'd say. Um, and, and I, I, it, it varies somewhat frequently. I mean, I've been, so I, I actually, I don't want to go into too much detail about this, Jeremy. Now I'll, I'll be a little bit more vague here because, um, what you can do sometimes if you get banned or limited is you know you can have family members or friends sign up you know and so um when it comes to a point inevitably which it does where these sports books say usually not so kindly you know that they don't want to do business with you anymore um you know uh, plenty of people who i know have betting accounts and they all seem to be pretty good at this i don't know how it's a coincidence <laughs> but uh Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, uh, about 20 to 25, I'd say I use consistently uh, myself and there's plenty of other outs that I can always get the numbers I want or find a hedge if I need it. And I I usually have no, no trouble getting my numbers, but look, if you're, if you're going to get the best number, you need a lot of outs, a lot of outs. And, uh, I try and fight as many as I can.
0: Okay. Um, good answer there. So for anybody considering making a run at this career, Give like three bullet points, keys to success, three uh, kind of words of wisdom anyway.
1: Oh, so the first, I'm going to go back to the math thing. I hate driving this in, and I know most people hate the word math, but uh, that's necessary. In my opinion, if you're going to have success, you need to learn have some base in math or find a good math service online that you can use that you trust. Find someone to partner up with. I would say that's going to be essential. Um, market knowledge is really important and listening to shows like yours, you know, if you, if you all want to tune into my show, I do a show called sports betting daily, uh, listening to good shows, learning how the market works, I think is really important because market knowledge can get you a long way. You don't have to know a ton of about really even any specific team or sport to if, that if you know how the market works, you're going to find pretty good situations or at least navigate intelligently, you know, it's, it's going to be logging on to your DraftKings account on your phone and scrolling down and picking your favorite game and logging out. If you have market knowledge, it's really going to help you get a long way. And something else you can do to help with your market knowledge, go backtrack any important information. And this can be done really easily. So what you want to do is go to pregame.com and pregame.com. They have a great, uh, pro, uh feature where they track what all of the lines were in the four major sports and uh, college basketball as well pretty much for the last like year maybe even a couple years so what we can do is go back game by game and we can look minute by minute and see what all these lines did so if you want to go see last year how much Aaron Rodgers was worth you know a lot of people may say that's impossible how am I supposed to do that I don't know I don't it's easy go back last year well go back last year See what happened those couple games where Aaron Rodgers was either out or ruled out and see what happened to the line during that time when he was ruled out. If If the Packers were minus nine and he gets ruled out and they go to minus two, you know right now the market has Aaron Rodgers rated at seven points. Now, maybe that changes when he goes to the Jets, vice versa, you know, with all this stuff with the new line. But the point is you have a good starting point for what Aaron Rodgers is worth when a lot of people out there may be lost for how to get information like that. You know, they may say, I don't know how to do, you know, any math. I don't know, how am I supposed to know how much he's worth? It's simple backtracking. And that's easy for all of us to go do pregame.com, go see any information changes, see how the lines move, and you'll have a real good idea of how the markets work. So that's just market knowledge. And I would recommend that. And then, you know, my last bullet point that I'll give to anyone out there is personality. You know, I have not met anyone who does this successfully, who talks like these people on Twitter talk. You know, if you're going to make winning seem easy and if you're going to make winning seem like, oh, it's what we do, it's no big deal, here's the winners, we're burying bookies, follow me, we're not going to lose. I- I've never met anyone who acts for things like that that is truly successful. You've got to be humble. You've got to be very, very, you know, y- 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 you can't have that attitude. And you also have to be, ri- uh, uh, you can't be risk averse. You know, it- things are going to go bad. There's ups and there are downs, right? There's, it's inevitable. I- for Even for the best sports batters out there, you're going to have some bad weeks. Well, are you going to follow your system? And if Kelly rec- if Kelly Criterion recommends a big bet, do you keep doing that? Because you have to if you're following the system. So, you know, personality means a lot in sports betting, and that may be one of the most overlooked things. I think you have to have a good, humble personality. You've got to understand risk. And uh, yeah, you, you, you can't think that, you know, you can just be the coolest thing in the world if you've if you won a few games in a row, which uh, apparently – on Twitter, everyone's a millionaire, but that's the that seems to be the uh, the feeling out there.
0: I'll, I'll be honest; I think that last bullet point you talked about is maybe one of the biggest limitations I've had in life. Of uh, doubt starts to creep in, and I know it should be the play I should make, but I avoid it just because I'm allowing you know head games to get into my mind, and I'm not following the system occasionally. So. Um, I, I think well, the that's psychological that, look, that's, that's human element is huge. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, it is. That's human nature. And that's a lot, a big part of sports betting. Human beings are not meant to be good at probability or statistics or price. Like it's just, it's just how it is, you know, with, with numbers. I, I've never, you know, it's just how it is. Even I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, on an interview the, uh, the other day, and he's talking about how, how he's never met one scientist who does this naturally. Right. So being a successful sports better, you're, it's kind of like teaching yourself to, break all the habits that you naturally normally instinctively want to do with all these things, whether it's being biased or, you know, being risk averse, whatever it may be, you just have to kind of plow through that, but I get it. It is so hard. And I still, every day you battle these little things, you know, and it's just part of it. So.
0: Uh, what sport do you feel have the greatest opportunities? Where do you find the, the softest lines, I guess, or the movement that favors you the most to place the highest percentage of wagers on?
1: So me personally, I bet the NHL the most. And then just behind that is English soccer, which would include premier league, um, the FA cup, even some champions league in there. So those two sports, and I like those two sports for, for, uh, a lot of reasons, but the main reason is there's not a lot of people betting those sports. Now the professionals these days who I'm technically competing with in terms of moving early lines, they have a lot more money than I do they're all millionaires syndicates things like that they bet thousands if not tens of thousands a game they're not typically interested in sports like the nhl because the nhl has such low limits so if you go to a you know circus sportsbook in vegas they'll let you bet 500 a pop on the nhl that's it they'll let you bet 10 grand on some nfl games so for a lot of people who really really are intelligent in the, in the sports betting market they just simply don't bet that much nhl or the way i do things they don't we don't interact a lot so I find that I can get much better numbers, much softer numbers, just simply by betting sports like the NHL and soccer, because not that many people are doing it or or, or betting it. So those are the two sports I bet the most. And in terms of the softest markets that I think are available, I think that the smaller the sport and the less known the sport, the better the opportunity, as as long as you've got information that the sportsbook have, that you've at least got the information the sportsbooks have, right? I look at uh, college baseball. Oof, there is not that much information for college baseball. I mean, it is hard to find good info. I can't find bullpen information on half the teams in the SEC. I mean, it's crazy. So to handicap a college baseball game, if you know the bullpen info, you're going to have such an advantage on the entire market, you're going to make a ton of money. So if you can find a little niche sport, whatever it's, you know, NH- I, th- I feel like NHL is more niche, but the smaller the sport, I feel like the better as long as your info is good, right? That doesn't mean everyone just go bet college baseball, right? Because it's hard to come up about this information, but the smaller the sport, the harder the info is to come by the better a chance everyone out there has, including me and you. So that's how I feel about soft lines and soft numbers and opportunity. But me personally, I reside in that NHL hockey pool and then a lot of soccer betting as well.
0: Very good. Um, I'm going to get yelled at by the listener base. If I don't at least ask this question, you don't have to answer it, of course, but uh, when it comes to win percentage, uh, where do you think you're at?
1: So this is a really interesting question that a lot of people don't th- don't get the concept of. Now, I know you're a numbers guy, so I'm sure you do. I'm not accusing you of that, but most people think 60% is an amazing win percentage. Uh, 55 is good win, win percentage, and 50 is losing, right? They know that. Everyone knows 52.4 is break-even. But that's under the assumption that every bet you make is minus 110. See, when you see everyone talking about win percentage, win percentage, what really matters is your break-even percentage. Because what you'll see is a lot of people, you know, I'm criticizing social media and Twitter a lot today. I get a lot of, they, they, they help me out by giving me a lot of material. So forgive me. But, you know, on Twitter, you'll see, hey, we're 68% in March or we're 70% in June or whatever it may be. We're, but what people don't understand is they're picking all minus 250s, minus 200s. They're, they're making parlays and they're doing this, they're doing that. Of course, their win percentage is 68. Every bet they have out there is a huge win percentage, right? So. What matters more is break-even percentage. And what I typically find is I have about a, over the course of a year, maybe a one and a half to two and a half on a really, really good year percent edge. So if my break-even percent is what everyone else talks about, which is 52.38, roughly, right, the minus 110, I'd say my win percentage is about 54.8 to 55.2%, right around there, which is, in my opinion, right where you want to be. If if, if uh, my break even percent would be closer to let's say fifty six percent, then you know I would I would probably go fifty eight percent in any given year. So my bets are always changing. I'm always, some years I have more underdogs, which means I'm going to have to have a higher win per- or a, a lower win percentage. Uh, some years I bet more favorites, have to have a higher win percentage. So that that whole whole win percentage thing is sort of a false argument. I, I find it to be something that gets paid way too much attention to unless it's known I only bet minus one ten every bet we take is, is going to be an NFL or an over-under or an NBA or a, a MLB win total or whatever it is. As long as every single bet's 110, then we can talk win percentage. Otherwise, what has to be part of the conversation is, well, what's your break even percentage? Because that often gets lost in the conversation. So, um, but yeah, I'd say about a one and a half to two ish percent to edge I'm working with.
0: Great info. Thank you very much for everything today. Um, how do our listeners find you? Uh, where can they follow you? Uh, great, great insight once again today.
1: Yeah. Uh, just uh, listen to the podcast. It is sports betting daily. You can listen wherever you listen to uh, this show. Just type in sports betting daily and uh, should pop up there. It's part of the woos media podcast network. You can follow the show on Twitter, SBD underscore pod. And you can follow me at Tyler Walgie That's Tyler W A L J E. Uh, Jeremy, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you much. And everyone out there, manage that bankroll. Don't chase money. Have fun. And let's cash some tickets together. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call